0: Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. We are dismissing our children to go with uh, Pastor Amber and other uh, Trinity Kids volunteers, and may they be blessed today as, as they worship together and hear God's word. So, we are in this series titled We Are the Church. And last week we talked about what it means to be a people transformed by the presence of God. Today we are going to discuss what it means to be a house of prayer. We are the church, a house of prayer. And so our uh, passage of scripture takes us to Mark chapter 11. So I know we just celebrated Christmas, but here in this context we are at Holy Week. So Jesus grew up really, really fast and and here we are at at Holy Week. Uh, Mark chapter 11, and we are going to read from verse 12 through verse 25. So Mark chapter 11, and the title in my Bible says, Jesus curses a fig tree and clears the temple courts. And that about covers what we're going to talk about today. Jesus cursing a fig tree and clearing out the temple courts. The word of God says, the next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Only time in the text and scripture that we see that we find that it says that Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. This is the word of the Lord for us today. You may be seated. Did I ever tell you about the time that I was involved in a high-speed chase? This is a true story. Uh, I was a a freshman in college. And um, we were driving, dark of night, and the police officer followed us and turned on the sirens. And um, the driver, instead of stopping, just hit the gas. And we drove that way for about 45 minutes. And then we lost the cop. And we went on with life. Of all places, we were in a country called Mexico. And we were on a trip or headed to a trip called commission unto Mexico which was a mission trip and the driver was none other than my own father a uh, uh, pastor angel espinoza and it was terrifying like i was terrified sitting in the back of that van as my dad was driving down the streets of Mexico with a police officer following him and him not stopping not uh, abiding to the law like you know, he always did. He was acting crazy. It was confusing to me. What, what was it that, that he was doing? I, I was terrified. I was a, a, a young kid with my full life in front of me. And here I have images of sitting the rest of my days in a Mexican jail, surrounded by the Mexican cartel. What in the world are we doing with our lives? Right? Like it was terrifying. was what was more terrifying than thinking about what in the world could happen if we were stopped and you know we had run from the the cops was this this thought who is this man who who is this man i don't know who this man is that is driving this vehicle right now who is this man we outran the police we went on to have a wonderful mission trip and The secret was like what happens in Mexico stays in Mexico. You don't tell your mother. And I hope my mom does not listen to this sermon today. Has anyone in your life ever acted so contrary to what you expected them to act like? And you just simply don't understand what is happening? In our passage of scripture today, this is the context Jesus is, is acting in ways that his disciples are not quite sure what to do with. And, and if, we're, if we're honest, maybe, maybe we're not quite sure what to do with. When we look at this Jesus and the cursing of a tree and the overthrowing of tables and the kicking out of people from the temple, it, it's just sort of hard to know what to do with this Jesus. Since I was a young child, I I fell in love with Jesus. Jesus that rides in on a donkey who is meek and humble and kind and compassionate and welcoming. And yet here Jesus is acting so completely out of character. Jesus has just entered a a town called Bethany, and this is the place where, where he's going to spend most of the last week of his life. And this is day one of Holy Week, and it's not starting so well. I mean, by the time Jesus lays his pillow on his head on his pillow that night, he's cursed the tree. And he's gone into the temple and he's overthrown tables and he's driven out the people that were there and, and, and he's shown great power and, and authority. And he has all of the Sanhedrin and all of the religious leaders angry at him. I would say it's not off to a great start. Some some have tried to understand why Jesus acted in this way and in the physical realm, some people have said, well, it's understandable. The scripture says that Jesus was hungry, and you you should at least even get just one pass for being hungry, and then just acting completely out of character. You know, he he's hungry. He sees a a, a tree. He he imagines that it's going to have fruit, and it doesn't. So when he arrives, it makes him angry. He's hungry and he's angry, so he's hangry, right? Like it's it's a thing and. And we know from recent commercials that he, you aren't yourself when you 're hungry, right you 're just not you when you're when you 're hungry well i, I don 't personally think that's a good explanation to why Jesus was acting in this way. right For one, we, we know that Jesus, the Son of god has uh, has uh, a good discipline of of fasting, right, and he 's fasted uh, at times for over forty days, so so he knows hunger, and, and we haven't seen him act those ways in those seasons when he's been fasting. We, we also know that, that when he is in Bethany, he stays at the house of Martha, and we know that Martha was not going to let Jesus go hungry. We're, we're pretty sure that she prepared a, a decent breakfast for, for Jesus, right? So, so, so it's not just that, that Jesus is hangry is in this passage. So it just was he just having a, a bad day maybe. You know, we we as humans, we we always need a couple of those days where we get to the end of the day and we say, "Man, if I could just have a do-over for this day, that would be really great." Right? So so maybe Jesus just just needs a a, a day where he could just just do it over. We try to understand what was happening in the mind of Jesus as He is doing these things on on this day, and it's it's sort of hard for us to to understand this Jesus. But I do want to say to us Trinity Church that unless we can understand and. Fit This image of Jesus into our whole understanding of Jesus, then we we don't understand the Jesus that we truly serve. We we need to understand that this Jesus, yes, he is the lamb, but he is also the lion. We we need to understand that, yes, that, that he is humble. And he is compassionate, and he is good, and he is kind, but, but he is also prophetic, and he also, and he also sp- expresses the things that are on his heart. Jesus, in this passage, as we know, is running out of time, so to speak. This is the, the final day, and, and the mission is urgent. You know, people act different when they're running out of time, right? Don't you drive different when you've given yourself plenty of space to get to work on time? You drive different when you haven't, right? You, you, you drive different when you have time. You act different when, when you have time. And this is, this is where Jesus is. He, he knows that the cross is, is coming soon. He knows that in just a few days, his teaching, um, season of teaching is, is coming to, to an end. And Jesus is always moved by this greater spiritual purpose. And church, we need to pay close attention to what Jesus is doing here in this passage. Mark, the, the writer of this gospel, is a pro-writer. He, he does this really amazing thing where, where he takes a, a story of Scripture and he's telling this story and then he interrupts his story that he's telling with another story that is somehow still connected to the first story and then he comes back to, to the first story like a sandwich. Right? like that, that is the type of, of writer that we see uh, Mark uh, doing here. He, he, he's taking a story, he interrupts that story, and then he comes back to the story. And we have to see that, those stories together if we're going to understand what is happening here. For the most part, when we think about this time in the life of Jesus, we, we just understand or we focus in on the cleansing of the temple. But we have to understand the thing that Jesus did with the fig tree, even if we're going to understand the thing that he did in the temple. So we already said that it's, that it's the morning and, and Jesus is walking and, and that he is hungry. And from a distance, he sees this, this tree that is in full leaf. It has leaves all over the place, right? It's in full leaf. This fig tree is in full leaf. And so Jesus is hungry, and so they're gonna they're gonna go to to this tree and they're going to satisfy their hunger. And he comes close to the tree, and, and upon closer exploration of the tree, he realizes that the tree does not have any fruit. And Jesus curses the tree. And he says, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And we say, Jesus, be, be reasonable, Jesus. It's just a dream. What what are you doing? And what's even more problematic for us is that Mark tells us very clearly that it was not even the season for figs. So it makes it even more confusing. What do we do when we don't understand? we ask why, like I did to my dad when we finally had an opportunity to talk about what just had happened. And he said, sweetheart, there are things that you don't understand about this country that I grew up in. When we were eating at the very last restaurant, that police officer was there. And I could tell by the, the way that he was looking at us that he was up to no good. And as soon as we left that restaurant, he followed us. And while we were still surrounded by many cars, and while there was still light outside, he did not turn on his sirens. But as soon as we were by ourselves down a very dark path, then he turned out, up his sirens, and, and you know, sweetheart, that, that there are people, there are police officers in this country that they wear this uniform that says that, that they are to be trusted, that they are the keepers of the law, but, but would you know that, 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 that even just because somebody's wearing a uniform, Gabby, it does not mean that you can trust them. It does not mean that they are not going to, to do things that are, that, that are not lawful. You ask why. And that is exactly what we do with this text. And something very similar to, to what my dad told me is what I understand Jesus is saying here. You see, this, this thing has on a uniform. And the uniform communicates, I have fruit. I have fruit. Look at all of my leaves. I have fruit. This tree communicates. I am righteous. I, I am pious. I am fruitful. But upon closer consideration, the tree is dead. The tree is is not fulfilling the purpose for which it was created. Now, I know we, we are not typically agricultural people, and so we don't understand exactly what is happening because so often, some trees give leaves before they give fruit. But in that part of Palestine, it was not that way with fig trees. Fig trees would produce fruit, and then they would produce leaves. They would produce fruit. they would produce leaves. So if you saw the leaves, you could assume that they had fruit. That fig tree, it was giving false advertisement. It is saying on the outside, externally, I look like a fruitful tree. But if you come close to my life, if you if you come close to me and in, in, in moments of, of hardship, if, if you come close to my life as I'm working uh, outside of the walls of the church Monday through Friday, if you come close to me as a parent, if, if you come close to me as a single adult trying to follow Jesus, as you as you come close to me, you'll find that there's no fruit. It's just leaves. The tree, brothers and sisters, was an imposter. There were many trees there. Jesus only cursed that one. There were other trees that had no leaves. And Jesus didn't curse those. Because they weren't advertising that they had fruit. There were trees that had leaves and had fruit. And those were not cursed either, because they weren't advertising something false. But this tree, brothers and sisters, it was advertising to the Son of God, I have fruit. But when Jesus looked closely, it was just a form of godliness, but void of power, void of fruit. It looked right. It, it dressed right. It, it spoke right around the circles that it needed to speak right around. It, it did things that, that everybody thought were good and right, but upon closer, a closer look, it was it was a fraud. It was an impostor that day. And here today, on this day in 2022. Jesus walks around hungry for fruit. That's interesting that God would hunger for something. And the only time that we find in Scripture that God was hungry, God was hungry for fruit. God needed fruit. It's crazy that the God of the universe who, who... who, who said, you know, like, that rocks would, would speak if humans didn't. That, that uses things like fish and, and and animals to speak and to do the will of God when humans don't. It, it, it's crazy to imagine that this God has need of anything. And yet scripture time and again relates to us, the church, that God is so passionate about fulfilling his mission and including the church. God wants to use us, brothers and sisters, in the kingdom to fulfill his mission. And each and every time when Jesus approaches our life, when Jesus approaches our church, and it's beautiful from a distance, and it's attractive, and it says we have all of the things. And then he comes close and there is no fruit and there's no love. There is no joy. There is no patience. There is no kindness. There is no goodness. There is no faithfulness. There is no gentleness. There is no self-control. That, that is the fruit that, that, that God gives in, in his kingdom. And Jesus is, is disappointed and sad and, let I say, angry whenever he approaches and we are just imposters, not portraying the fruit that God has given us to portray. So often, particularly when we're young teenagers, we, we have this question, right? Like, what does God want me to do with my life? And sometimes we're grown adults, and we're still asking the question, what does God want me to do with my life? Here's the answer. Bear fruit. Bear fruit. I- I- if you're a-, a teacher, bear fruit as you're pouring in to those students. If you, if you work at Starbucks, bear fruit as you're preparing coffee. If you're a nurse, bear fruit as you're tending to to people and and caring for them. If you're a hairdresser, bear fruit as you're helping people look their best. If you're a business person, bear fruit. In that setting, Jesus, brothers and sisters, desires fruit. And scripture says that he has made it possible for us to bear fruit. And John chapter 15 verse 5 gives us the answer. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. There is only one way that we can actually be more than just leaves and that is if we remain in Jesus, if we abide with Jesus, if we stay connected brothers and sisters to Jesus, we cannot produce fruit without being connected to the vine. Jesus desires this deep level of connection with his church, with his children, And this closeness, brothers and sisters, is what allows us to be fruit bearers. We cannot give fruit unless we remain connected to the vine. I don't know about you, brothers, but there is always constantly something that is trying to break my connection. And there are decisions that I have to make. I, I, you know, like, I am not going to go there with that person that, that, you know, just flipped me off on the road. I'm not going to go there with them because I, I don't want anything to disconnect me from the vine. I, I could so easily become a workaholic, but I'm not going to go there. Because, because that so, like, disconnects me from, from the vine. I could hold a grudge. I, I really could. I could hold a grudge because what they said was wrong and what they did was wrong and, and they, they acted and it was, it, I don't deserve what they did. You know, I, I could hold a grudge, but I'm not going to because that disconnects me from, from, from the vine. And I, I don't want anything in my life to To disconnect me from the vine. Because if I'm disconnected from the vine, I don't have my source. And if I don't have my source, I lose my center. And and I have nothing to give. I have no fruit to give. And I just become a person full of leaves. And and, and I have no fruit. And that's not who I want to be. And that's not who we're called to be either Trinity Church, we're, we're called to, to remain connected. If we lose our connection, brothers and sisters, we lose everything. It's no wonder that the enemy fights us the most at the place of our connection with God because he's afraid of connected people. He's afraid of people that truly are connected to Jesus and that bear fruit in him. We have to remain connected or we can do no thing. We can do nothing. We are the church. We are a house of prayer. People still today, even in in our current culture where we're church, seems like it's no longer relevant you know that people still not not by not by the thousands uh, perhaps and not even perhaps by the hundreds but but still people from the culture, from society that they pour in to churches on Sunday mornings looking for something that is different, looking for something that is genuine, looking for something that is real. People look at the leaves from a distance and they look at the things that we post and the ways that we act and the ways that our marriages look and the ways that our children look and and the ways that we live our life and they say there, there must be something. About that person and what we desire, brothers and sisters, that this, when they come close, when they when they sit with us in small groups, when we when we're hanging out outside of church, but they see fruit, not just leaves. The leaves are necessary too. I'm not ju- I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that that comes after the fruit, right? Like the fruit is there, and then. That's why the symptoms of the fruit are all these other things, not the other way around. Mark is this literary genius. Look what he does. He, he's telling this story about the fig tree and, and, the, and the disciples, like their jaw is on the floor. Like, what is going on? We're not used to a Jesus that is cursing trees. We are used to a Jesus that is hugging trees. What do we do in this moment, right? Like their jaw is on the floor. And then he interrupts that story and he goes to a different story. that seems like there has no connection. There's no connection between the fig tree and the temple. And yet there is. He interrupts himself to tell us another story, and he begins to talk about the temple, and he says, basically what he's saying is, you see, what I, what I said about the fig tree, what I said about the uniform that sometimes, you know, is worn, but the inside can't be trusted, what I said about the tree is also what I'm saying about the church, about the temple. The, the church has become just like the tree, Oh, this temple, brothers and sisters! I-, I I wish that we could have seen it. It was ornate. It was majestic. It was beautiful to behold. It 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 was this this wonderful this wonderful structure. It was thirty soccer fields wide. It had beautiful gold on the interest. You would see You would see that the priests, they were completely decked out from head to toe in the best robes and the best garments of, of their time. They had these wonderful rituals of worship in place. The temple people, they checked every T and they dotted every I. They, they knew what they could do and they knew what they could not do. The temple had A lot of leaves. And it looks so good and it's so appealing from a distance. And thousands of people would come and they would pilgrimage. They would make a special journey to come and behold the temple of the living God. And to encounter its beauty. People would stand in awe of this magnificent structure. Not Jesus. Sees the leaves. He enters the temple to take a closer look. He's man, it's, it's wearing the uniform. But its heart can't be trusted. It has become something that I did not create it to be. And I, I tell, I'll tell you why it's so hard for us to understand this Jesus. Because in Scripture, you know, we, we see these different functions of of the people of God, right? We we see that there were priests of God, and and they were that the people that would help for, forgive, uh, offer forgiveness of sins, right? And 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 then we know that Jesus was the ultimate high priest, and and we and we love that, and we're able to embrace that and accept that. In Scripture, we also see that God raised key. Kings, right, and, and these kings—they were—they were to lead the people of God with boldness and with courage. And we know that Jesus is the King of Kings, right? And, and we—we're we're able to follow a king like Jesus. But also in Scripture, there are these prophets, and they're so weird. They're just so weird. And Jesus here is standing as the ultimate prophet in his temple. Prophets and they're crazy. They overthrow tables and chairs and drive out people. And that is what Jesus is doing here. And yet we can't just have him as king without also having him as prophet. And we can't just have him as priest without also having him as prophet. And Jesus stands in his temple prophetically. He is saying to his people, you are wearing the uniform, but what is in your heart is not pure. You see, prophets, brothers and sisters, they they speak to the disparity between the will of God and what is actually taking place. They they talk about the things that God wants and what the reality is of what is happening. And Jesus is saying, you know, I see a lot of things in this temple. The the, the leaves, they look so good. But let me tell you what I don't see in the temple. I don't see unity and I don't see compassion. You see, in that time, they they had all of these separate divisions in, in the temple, right? They were called courts. And people were separated according to, to, to different regulations, right? So there was the temple or or the court for the priests, right? For the holy people, and then there was the, the court for the Israelite men, and then there was the court for the Israelite women, and then there was a court for everyone else, for, for the Gentiles. And though the promise of God to Abraham had been, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. But through you, all of the nations of the world will be blessed. They held on to the blessing part. They didn't so much care about the other part. About how we would be a blessing to all of the nations. Yes, they, they had a court for the Gentiles there. Yes, yes, they did. But, you know, if if we don't clean the court of the Gentiles as good as we clean the court of the Israelites, you know, they they should just be happy that we at least let them come in to our temple. They should just be happy that we're even making a little bit of space for them. The the problem was, brothers and sisters, that in that time, like, it it was such a time of oppression. The Romans, you know, were in command and... It was just a time of of deep oppression and people were were looking for hope. Yes, even Gentiles were looking for hope to the God of the Israelites and they would come. And and in that time, it was believed that the presence of God was contained in a temple, not like in our day where we know that the presence of God goes with us everywhere. No, in that time, if I'm going to connect with God, it's going to only be in the temple. And so people would come from all over the place to the temple so that they could connect with God. And when they arrived there, there were thousands and thousands of animals. There was noise and it was like a flea market. Give me your best bargain about this and that. And it was, it was just all the wheeling and dealing mayhem that, that you wouldn't expect. That's what you expect out in the world, but you didn't expect that in, in the temple. There was this understanding of the people that when Messiah came he was going to wipe out the gentiles and that only the true Israelites would enter with Jesus into his kingdom. And Jesus is sad. When broken oppressed people are being told by the people that should have been a bridge And they're being blocked by those same people saying you don't belong here with us. They would have never put the animals in the Israelite court, not even in the women's court. No, they put the animals in the money-changing tables in the Gentile court because they believe that those people didn't really have true access to God. And here's the thing didn't start there. Here's the tension in the text. The, the animals were needed for worship. They were a needed thing for sacrifice. It started as a service that was kind. So that strangers and pilgrims, when they were traveling, didn't also have to travel with their sacrificial animal. So that they didn't have to for themselves find an animal that was all the specifics that were needed for worship. They were trying to make it easy for people to enter. And so they had all of that outside of the temple. But over time, they they just had a committee and said, well, what if we just move it into the Gentile court? What if we... Make a profit. What if we start charging more? Here's the thing, Trinity Church. We don't lose connection with God in an instant. It happens in these small increments. These small steps. Where we're moving contrary from the vine. And we're acting in our own way, and we do our own thing. And, and then when we look back, we are full of leaves, but we have no fruit. Then Mark goes back to the story of the fig tree. I wonder, I wonder, as Jesus is cursing that fig tree, his mind goes back to the creation of mankind. Back in the garden, the first time we find fig leaves is when Adam and Eve have fallen. And they've lost connection with God, and rather than running to God and saying, oh God, I've I messed up. God, I am so broken. God, God, I I just, I need you. God, I I made, I committed the greatest sin. God, I need your forgiveness. Rather than running to this God who loves them, they became imposters. We'll just cover ourselves with these leaves and just go on with business as usual. I wonder that as Jesus looked at those fig leaves with no fruit, if he remembered Adam and Eve hiding behind fig leaves in the garden. Here's what I have to say. I think it's still the greatest temptation of the church to hide behind Fig leaves. Jesus is saying, you're taking advantage of the thing that I came to give my life for. People. You're taking advantage of the people that I came to die for. You within the temple, you 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 were meant to be with me. This bridge, this light to the nations, this bridge that connects me and, and people. You were meant to be a bridge, but somehow you've become the barrier. Somehow you've become the block. And we know in this passage that Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And thanks be to God, we're not those, right? There's this saying in Spanish that says, I'm talking to you, my daughter, but I need you who are overhearing my my daughter-in-law to also understand that I'm also saying it to you. I think that's what Jesus is doing in the text. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the people in the temple. And yet he's saying to his disciples, I never want you to forget this teaching. Because it is always the temptation of humanity to hide behind fig leaves. And as long as we're hiding behind leaves, we're not open to the transformation that God wants to do in our midst and in the church. Trinity Church we are the church we are a house of prayer Jesus said this is a house this my house is a house of prayer for all nations so interesting he didn't say it's a house of preaching he didn't say it's a house of teaching he didn't say it's a house of of beautiful worship songs he didn't say any and he said it's a house of prayer because if we if we don't have that connection with God, we don't have anything. It is our desire, Trinity Church, to more and more become this place that is so honest about our brokenness. I'm not saying that we hide that there is brokenness, that there are things in which we are not whole yet, that there are things And that's a temptation in a holiness church, right? To say, I've been to the altar twice when I was saved and when I was sanctified, like, I'm good. Now on, like, it's just cleaning up and doing the part. No, like, it's about being honest and saying, God, like, I don't want to be an imposter. Like, I'm broken. I need you. I need you. I need to be connected to you. I need to be connected to you because only when I'm connected to you will I be able to give these fruits of the Spirit in any setting that I find myself in. So, today I want to talk to a group of people who say, like, we're not going to be about the leaves. We're going to put the leaves aside. What we want is personally to connect with God and, and for this to be a house when people enter through the doors of the church, that there are no blocks here, that there are no, no blocks, no hoops to jump through, that, 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 that this is a place, like we talked last Sunday, that fosters the presence of God in such a way that God can speak clearly to people's hearts when they enter into the doors of this church. They can he- hear him because he's the one that brings about transformation. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to help us become a house of prayer personally and corporately. Lord, here today, here today, here today, God, we cry out to you we say Lord no imposters here we cry out to you Jesus we want to be about all of the things that you want us to be about and God we know that sometimes it's those little steps we, we don't realize God that just one night on, on the internet could draw us right back to a life of pornography, God. It's those little steps, God, that we get to a point where we're just disconnected.
1: We don't realize
0: that that one drink will draw us right back to a life of alcoholism. It's just one, it's just one step, It's one step and we find that we've lost our connection. And then we're just trying to cover up with big leaps. And when you find us and when you call us out, God, it's for transformation. It's for transformation. God, we we want to be a house of prayer. We want to be a place where the broken and hurting and can walk in, God, and encounter you it would be easy for people to connect with you that we would live our lives in such a way as these personal houses of prayer God that when people enter corporately to this space they encounter your presence we do want to be a a church that is fruitful and I believe, God, and, and I and I, I hear it from other believers in this body that, that they sense that this is a season of fruit. And I believe that, God, with all of my heart, that you're calling us to be fruitful as a church. That this is a year that we're going to see people's lives transformed, people saved and people sanctified and baptisms, God, and, and people returning to you that have been far from you for years God I believe that this is a year God that you're going to bring about fruit but it begins Lord with connection we don't bring the fruit truly God we just need to be connected to the vine apart from you we can do nothing today Lord we we repent if we've become like Adam and Eve just covering our shame with fig leaves that's not who you've called us to be and from day one from day one of the fall your plan of salvation was put into motion that we would again be restored to full connection the curtain has been torn in two. God, you are no longer only in the temple. We host you in this temple which is our body. Help us, oh God, to be fruitful. Don't let us, Lord, wear the uniform, but our hearts say the contrary. Give us hearts that reflect your heart, Jesus. We love you, we love you, we love you.